The following podcast of Scene Profiles is brought to you commercial-free by The LA Jazz Scene LA's only jazz paper celebrates its 25th year as Los Angeles' leading publication in the world of jazz. Pick up one at your favorite jazz club or visit us online at lajazzscene.net The JW Marriott and Ritz-Carlton in LA Live which is hosting the 25th year anniversary of the LA Jazz Scene on Sunday, May 19th. This star-studded event is going to feature some of the greatest jazz players in Los Angeles. For tickets, call 818-584-6831. No Vacancy Entertainment, Los Angeles' leader in professional entertainment. Don't have a party? Have an event with No Vacancy Entertainment. Visit us online at NoVacancyEntertainment.com. Welcome to Scene Profiles, a podcast interviewing LA's best and brightest jazz talent, also providing general insight to Los Angeles' jazz scene. I'm Lyman Medeiros. With me, as always, is my co-host, Dave Damiani. How you doing, Dave? I'm excited, Lyman. How I'm excited. Are you? I'm so excited. I can't even tell you. Big CD party coming up on Wednesday night. Wednesday night, April 3rd, Catalina Bar and Grill, 8 p.m., Dave Damiani, No Vacancy Orchestra, CD release party. Man, we had a great rehearsal today. It went really, it went really well. You know what? Today's what, Monday? Yeah. Thursday, mm-hmm. either either you will have been at the CD release party, or you will have been blackballed by Dave Domini <laughs> and No Vacancy Entertainment. <laughs> it's that serious for the man. It's, it's that, that serious. serious. You should be there though. It's going to be a lot of fun. You excited for the podcast today, Dave? I am very excited, and you know what? I'm excited too. I can't believe how great he sounded at the rehearsal today. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the best drummers on the West Coast. If Griffin- couldn't be here today. But instead, <laughs> but I'm <I'll> <laughs> But if Griffin writes, li- if Griffin writes listening right now, oh, he man. should have been listening today at the rehearsal. <laughs> we have drummer Kevin Winard. How you doing today, Kevin? Great, Lyman. How you doing, man? I'm great. You know, if uh, for those regular listeners to the podcast, you know, I usually write up a nice bio and prepare a lot of questions for our guests. But Kevin and I have been on the road together for wow, I want to say what seven or eight years now. Yeah, about eight years. Almost yeah. eight years now. So I'm going to totally wing it because this guy and me uh, go way back and, and uh, he's never at a loss for words anyway, so we shouldn't run out of anything to talk about. Uh, so how you been, Kevin? I've been great. Me we- and Kevin just got back from a... Uh, from <laughs> <laughs> Who's being interviewed here? Go ahead. Go ahead, Kevin. No, no. Tell, me, no, tell me where we were this weekend. We were uh, up north. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> north Hollywood or what? No. no. We, we did were- Folsom and... <laughs> Kevin and I this is good. This both is good. tour in the band with vocalist Steve Tyrell, past guest of the of the podcast, and we were in Northern California over the weekend doing dates with Steve and and phenomenal vocalist Diane Schur. Um, so we've been spending the past three days together, and we're uh, and it obviously shows about how much we're chuckling. Already. Right, exactly. So Kevin, you're from Santa Barbara, California. I am born and bred. Not born and bred. Raised since 1969. Okay. And uh, where were you before that? Chicago and England. Oh, I never knew that. Really? England? Yeah. What were you doing in England? My parents there actually uh, looking for work. Believe it or not, they had they had friends over there, and they they were there for probably about a year. And uh, how old were you when you were in England? I was born. Born? born. <laughs> yeah, born. Wow, in England. you think you know somebody? So you can I never know. you can never be president. No, which wow. is probably thank good, goodness. Yeah, a good thing. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Who exactly. Knows? I was going to put him on the ballot next time. Yeah, no, you well, can't, just, can't even write him in. See if you could just slip it in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never notice. Well, Obama's president, and where he was born, where in Kenya? <laughs> yeah. See? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just joking out there, people. <laughs> Why am I sweating? This is a liberal show. This is a liberal show. Yeah, totally. Well, not now. <laughs> Too many, right. <laughs> okay. Too many inside jokes. Too many inside jokes. I know exactly. Um, but raised in raised in Santa Barbara, how did you first stumble across the drums and kind of realize that you might want to be a musician? Well, my dad was a drummer, and uh, he was a drummer up until he actually went to served in World War II. Mm-hmm. And then when he met my mom, had me and everything, he always had drumsticks. Even though he stopped playing drums, but he was always playing on the arm of a couch or whatever. Huh. And always playing great music, Wes Montgomery, Basie, Sinatra, wow. you know, just the stuff we love. And uh, <clears throat> his favorite singer was Anito Day. Oh, nice. So he had very hip tastes, and Andy Grover Washington Jr., and Bob James, and James Brown, and all this stuff. So he was always playing along with it. And I, as a kid, you copy your dad, and mm-hmm. uh, I just uh, said, I want to play, you know, play drums. 
So he found me a great teacher named Tony Cappiello and uh, studied with him from age 10 to 14. And that was in Santa Barbara? Yeah, actually Goleta, which is just north of Santa Barbara. Is that the um, garlic capital of the world? That's Gilroy. Oh, Gilroy. <laughs> Close, though. They're only Close. about eight hours away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> New to California? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, you started playing drums, and then you went, I believe you went to high school or played with some very famous musicians of your age, of your age group while you were in, in high school, including Matt Catengoob and uh, Dave Koz. Why don't you tell us about how you got the opportunity to play with those guys as a as a young one? That was actually the, the uh, Monterey All-Star High School Jazz Band. And uh, we, uh, I, I auditioned like everybody else, but it was, it was amazing. I, I had John Wackerman, who's a very famous drummer, and uh, he was playing vibes and percussion. I was playing drums, and then Dave Koz was playing tenor. Wow. And uh, the, actually, John, Dave Koz, this guy, a friend of mine, Mark Marcus, another guy, Steve Rosenboom, we were all in the same room. We all stood like five guys in the room for the week because you rehearsed for the week. Mm-hmm. All these guest artists came in. Matt Kattengub was one of the guest artists. Oh, he was a guest artist. He was a guest artist. He had actually had done it I believe I could be wrong 1978 or something like that mm. and then they brought him back every every year to with his charts and we had it it was and Bill Berry was leading the band mm. so um, that's where I met Matt and then I had an association with him and did some big band records with him way back when when I was really young really fortunate to do that and uh, yeah I mean it's it's really funny because if whenever I see Dave Cause, we kind of go back to that time. You know, we talk about it's like we're 16, 17, we knew nothing. You know? that, and that was what, 50 years ago? Yeah, 1925. Years ago? I, mean. <laughs> I didn't realize Dave Cause was that old. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as old as you. Right, right. <laughs> I never liked you, Dave. I never, never liked you. <laughs> you can edit this out later. Yeah, we'll edit this out. No editing. No editing. <laughs> So that must have been a great experience, and and you yeah, were able to keep cool. in touch with all those guys throughout your career. Yeah, and and uh, we actually recently, a couple of years ago, had a reunion, just a dinner at Cheesecake Factory. It's like this guy Mark Marker said, "Hey, we should all get together." Everybody emailed. Dave showed up. Oh, Matt, you're kidding me. Matt drove out from Vegas, and we just had a great time just talking about life and just where where we all were, and just hung out as friends and not part of business, but like you know when you're. 1617, and here we are now. The Cheesecake Factory, really? <laughs> yeah, well. yeah, the one in Woodland Hills, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something about Dave Koz. This guy gets a bad rap sometime because he is very much a smooth jazz artist. But me and Kevin played at the uh, Cape Town Jazz Festival last year with Steve Tyrell, and we were able to catch Dave Koz shows. This guy puts on a performance like nobody's business, and he is a consummate professional, and I couldn't have been more impressed with this show. So, you know. Check it out for those who for those who like to bag on smooth jazz sometimes. Uh, check it out, man, because he's he's really really great at what he does. Would you not agree, Kevin? I completely. Agree. Did you guys play any straight ahead stuff with him, or is it all kind of his thing? Well, when I saw him, it was all it was all his his thing. He had Patty Austin sit in. And, and, It'd be interesting and to kind of hear him play like with like a like a group like one like one of your groups or something. Mm. You know, to see what he. I'm sure he can play yeah, it. I'm sure. you, you know, I have a pretty interesting story. At least I think it is. But I was talking to him about. We were talking about jazz actually when we we're having that dinner excuse me <clears throat> and he's and i said how did you get into this you know just asking him as a friend and he started out and he actually studied jazz improv later on with matt in the valley oh wow you know and he said you know he was playing tenor at the time and i and he said you know i realize i'm never going to be coltrane i'm never going to be brecker i'm never going to be on alto or cannonball you know that's just not me he said but the one thing i can do probably better than most people is playing melody and but like soulfully you know and really be able to communicate with an audience and he was sincere about it, it wasn't it wasn't like it was a put on thing it wasn't any kind of jive mm-hmm. and when you hear him play it's true he plays beautifully his sound is gorgeous sure. and he it's not you know he, he can play the horn you know right. and he's got a great feel he's very musical he knows exactly what he wants and uh I, I do think that, that a lot of musicians, you brought up a good point, I think a lot of musicians, if it's not straight ahead, if it's not a certain genre of jazz, you know, they get a bad rap. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's, 
fair. I agree. You're right. right. I, agree, I agree with you. And now you, we, we've uh, talked about Matt Cat and Goob a few times. You, Like you said, you started working with them in high school, and you guys have worked together off and on throughout your entire career. For for some of our listeners who might not know who Matt Cat and Goob is, why don't you explain a, a little bit, <laughs> Dave Tamiani included, explain a little bit about who he is and, and your guys' association together. <clears throat> well, Matt was the, and you know, still is, uh, she passed away, the son of Mavis Rivers, who was a jazz singer, who was actually Ella's favorite singer. Wow. And uh, she was from Samoa, Polynesian, and she was living in New Zealand. And somebody sent a record that she did, kind of like the story we're talking about, unbeknownst to her, to L.A. Somehow got to Capitol Records. They, they said they flipped out, and they got in touch with her when she was in New Zealand. This is like I six early sixties, I guess, late fifties. <clears throat> said we love your voice. Um, we would love. For you to do a record, who would you like to have as your arranger? She goes, could I have Nelson Riddle? And they said, yes. Hmm. So her first album was with Nelson Riddle. And, and Marty Page she did stuff with. Shorty Incredible. Rogers. I mean, unbelievable. If you listen to these old records, it's, it's so good. It's so good. So I, Matt, I've never heard of her. <clears throat> you should go Google her. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Wow. Great. She was great. Um, and Matt was her son. And uh, he, he was just like one of these uber talents that... You know, it's seven, perfect pitch. She'd go, he's just playing by piano, just by ear, all the Beatles tunes. You know, just no lessons. He had like, I think he was playing saxophone for a year, and then he got the gig playing lead alto with Louis Belson's band. Like, for a year. Wow. You know, I mean, just one of those freaky, I asked him one time, you know, he's an incredible arranger and and, uh, composer, and I said, did you ever study arranging? He goes, no, I just bought the Nelson book. You know, Nelson Riddle book on arranging and just taught myself. Just look, looked at it and said, oh, that's how you do it. And that's okay. probably what he's primar- primarily known as, as an arranger. But yeah, he's, but he's also an incredible alto player. And piano player. And a piano player. And a, and a great drummer. In fact, <laughs> in fact, he showed me how to play big band drums. We became friends after the Monterey Jazz thing. He said, you know what, you might want to try this and this. And this is how you kick this and this with these figures. And I was wow. like, and he'd sit down and play. Like, put out a Count Basie record and play drums and show me how to do it. And I'm like... <laughs> and he swung so freaking hard mm. on drums. Wow. Like just Incredible. Sonny Payne kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Just stupid talent. But he, for the last 10 years or so, became the pops conductor of the Honolulu Symphony. And then I think he has a Glendale Pops now and some other some other group. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was a great, great association. I was really lucky to be a part of that. That's for sure. So uh, that was in high school <laughs> where you met Matt. And I don't know if you know this about Kevin, Dave, but but Kevin is a huge Disney dork. Like the guy has the guy has season passes every year to Disneyland, and I think that's because well, we were in, let me preface we were in Orlando, or I'm sorry, we were in Florida two years ago, and we went to we went to Disney World. We had a friend that was able to get us in. We went to Disney World, and Kevin was just, he knew the place backwards and forwards. Said we got to go here, got to go here, got to go here, and that's because. Um, for one summer or maybe two, so one summer or two summers? One. One summer, you were in one of the Disney World bands yeah. as a kid, and that, that obviously was, was quite a, made quite an impression on you. Tell us a little bit about that. That was, uh, I was 19, and uh, I just finished my first year at Cal State Long Beach, and my mom said to me, you got to get a job. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to work. So, and she saw this thing. It was the All-American College Orchestra. And uh, they had done the All-American College Marching Band at, at Walt Disney World, Magic Kingdom, and Disneyland for years. They'd never had an orchestra. And it was a studio orchestra. It was small string section. With rhythm section. With rhythm section, brass, and percussion. <clears throat> and that actually, that pretty much that one summer changed my life. As far as that got me the gig with the captain and Tennille. Mm. Because nice. Tony Tennille and... Daryl the Captain came. They were one of the guest artists that year. We did 11 weeks and we were rehearsing new artists coming through all the time. And then we perform on that big stage that's across from the American, oh God, American Adventure with the Ben Franklin and the whole thing, right? Okay. Where I knew all the dialogue. Remember? Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. You knew that you, you knew that? The I, I knew a lot of the dialogue. You, know, yeah. you, sh- you should go to Disney with this guy. Do you know where it's to freakish. get a, do you know where to get a dull pineapple whip? 
Oh, yeah, that's right in front of the, um, oh, come on. Now I'm going blank. Uh, uh, the Tiki Room. Wow, that's true. <laughs> I you. love that stuff. I always That's the first thing I get when I go. The best bowl, uh, dull pineapple spears you're ever going to have are right there. That's pretty good. And that, that no, it's delicious. This is no, I only know Man. a few things, and then he knows them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I told you. I told you. Um, and so, yeah. That was a great summer job then for Oh, college. it was fantastic. Um, and... So I met Tony and Daryl there, and we had Richard Carpenter. We had a bunch of film composers and Broadway people come through. It was amazing. It was unbelievable. And, excuse me, who's the guy that that was a composer of, uh, oh, Body and Soul, Johnny Green? Mm. He came. Oh, wow. And we did did Body and Soul with the composer. Nice. And a lot of the Disney film composers... And a lot of people that composed a lot of the music for the rides, so we played their music cues in, in concert. It was really fun. So through that, I met Tony and Daryl, and then off and on worked with them for the next 10 years. And then to bring it back all around, I ended up getting Matt on the gig, Cat and Goob, on the oh, gig with okay. Captain Tennille. Cool. So it all just kind of went went through. And then through Tony, I met Doc Severinsen. <laughs> it was yeah. just like it just went from that to that to that kind of thing. One thing to the other. Yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about the Captain and Tennille. This was in the early 80s you were touring with them? Off and on, it was like 85 through 90. Well, I, I took a break for a couple of years and then went back with them, and it was 85 to like all in 97, something like that, 98. Yeah. So um, the Captain and Tennille were big in the 70s, so I'm wondering, what kind of gigs and what kind of venues did you play when you were on the road and touring with my, what was their big hit? I always get it. Love will keep us together. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Which is written by um, Neil Sedaka. Wow. That was her big hit. She I always get that confused. What's the one that Elton John and Kiki D did together? Don't go breaking my heart. <laughs> I always thought that was the captain. Hey, don't go breaking my balls. <laughs> hey, uh, you know a couple guys I know, like uh, this guy Marty Harris, good friend of mine, piano player, uh-huh. Barry's Wag, who played right. today right. On the, on, with us. Um, said they all say Tony Tennille is one of the best singers they've ever worked with. She's a great singer, and the the and thing I, that a lot of people didn't know is how hard she swung. And jazz, yeah, jazz that's singer. what I'm saying. Yeah, well, you're not really a jazz jazz singer, you know, not right. like like not like Sarah, but but like Sarah a big Bond. band, like a big yeah. big big band singer. You know what I mean? Um, and she swung. She had great feel, great mm-hmm. feel. Um, because she sang in college with the Auburn Knights big band in Alabama. So before she did any of the pop stuff, she was her dad was in a big band and would you guys play? Would you guys play jazz tunes on these gigs, or was it mostly their pop stuff? When it was Captain and Tennille, it was pretty much the pop stuff. Later on, we had some pre-recorded tracks, and Mm -hmm. uh, we did a couple of standards that were off her album, you know, off her stuff. But the gig eventually turned into the Captain Tennille show, which was the Captain Tennille show. Then Tony Tennille with Symphonies, which I did a lot of gigs with her, and that was all charts by Sammy Nestico and Matt Cat and Goop. Did you oh, work wow. on? Did you work on the Tony Tennille show? <clears throat> no, I wish I did. No. Yeah, I really wish I. Did. I that was before my time. Oh. But we did the uh, did the Symphony, and then we do corporate big band dates. So it was like three gigs in one. It was great. That's great. It was really really a lot of fun, and they they were great people. So you mentioned that that Tony Tini was a good big band singer. Um, you obviously have a, a great love of standards yourself. Would you say uh, at this point in your career you'd already kind of developed that love for Sinatra and the, all, all the great old American songbooks tunes? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, growing up, just, you know, my parents' selection of music, and my mom was a singer, so... I even have some old 78s of demos she did. Oh, wow. Of, of singing day by day. Nice. Yeah, and, and it's, it's now that I got older, I get to appreciate it. And she used to sing when I was younger, and I hated it. You know, I was just a kid, and like, Mom, stop singing. It sounds terrible. <laughs> we, should, we, should, we should tell people that, that Kevin's on the show talking about his new record. Yeah, that's, oh, that's, that's, what, I was, that's, that's what I was leading into. Well, I know, I know, I know, I know. Oh, oh you're good. Um, I was here just for the uh, Philly cheesesteak. It was pretty good. If, if uh, I may, steak. if I may proceed with the transition that I had come up. Please sorry, do. I'm sorry. Well, this love of standards is evident in your new record. <laughs> and <laughs> and we'll be right back. Kevin Kevin Winard sings. Kevin Winard sings. He's yeah. done he's done a record where he sings some standards. Let's listen to one before we go on and talk about you work your work with uh, Doc Ste- Severinsen. Uh, I'm gonna Tyrell. I'm gonna I want to play my fi- my favorite track on here is number ten. How little we know. How little we know. So Why'd you want to do this tune? Kevin? Sinatra. 
to not. There I you go. go. Good I'm, reason. Enough said. How little we? How One little, of my faves too. How little we know. Here we go. Forces flow from lover to lover. How little we understand what touches off that tingle. That sudden explosion when two tingles intermingle. Who cares to define what? Chemistry this is Who cares with your lips on mine How ignorant bliss is So long as you kiss me And the world around us shatters How little it matters How little we know Yeah, Kevin. It's great nice stuff, track, Kevin. Man. That sounds great. Thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you. Beautiful melody. Yeah, I love that song. Where is this available? Is it on iTunes? Uh, you can download it on iTunes. It's Kevin Winard Sings. Um, but such you... a great title. I put so much thought into that. <laughs> but you, but you, <laughs> really, really, really <laughs> brilliant. clueless as to it, what it, it's on when you name it something. Right, like exactly. Um, I'm just great at marketing. <laughs> it was. It was I, I, I heard it was either Swings or Sings. Right, and you decided to just drop the W. Right, I kept the, <laughs> I kept the W for my last name. <laughs> Very selective. Yeah, you can get get it on iTunes, and you can get it on Amazon. But it's but, Amazon. But it's the, the best pay, the, 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 the best place to get it would be though directly from your website, wouldn't it? 
Yes, if I had a shopping cart <laughs> set up on my website, really? that would be fantastic. Wow, wow Dave. However, I don't. In okay. lieu of that, go to Amazon. In lieu of Amazon. that, you can come by my place, <laughs> hang out. Um, Kevin Winard sings. Well, uh, if you want to, I guess the best way to do it, I probably don't want to give out a an, an email. You, know. you can. Can I? It's up to you, sure. Yeah? Well, you can email me at... K Winard W I N A R D at me M E dot com, and uh, I can give you the the ways and how to. Can we also can we also send racy photos to that? <laughs> yes, hopefully of you is what I'm looking for. Do we get a free CD for that, ladies? Yeah, there it is. You get the free CD. <laughs> K Winard at me dot com. Send your photos. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. If it's a really good photo, you might get a free CD. <laughs> Kevin right. will just charge you for shipping. <laughs> so, you're working with the Captain Nintendo. I want to see if this actually happens. That would be fantastic. That'd be better than that'd be the the only reason to make this. It would be great if you got like a thousand pictures before you got home today. I'd be like, dude, we're really in some really cool markets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't hold your breath either. Uh, who knew they could do that in Bangladesh? It's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> So yeah, <laughs> what was I talking? So so you start working with Doc Severinsen after after the Captain and Tennille gig. Yeah, Tony actually got a gig with Victor Victoria and playing Victor Victoria, oddly enough. So uh, that's a Broadway show, correct? Yes, it is. And um, and I was kind of going, oh boy, all right. Well, it's as usually as we all know, being freelance musicians, you kind of your gig that you been doing for the last you know 10 some odd years and you're going well there she's taking a hiatus for a year and it just so happened doc had done a co-bill and conducted her show doc severinson with the baltimore symphony and i met doc and then i found out he lived in san inez i lived in santa barbara 45 minutes away and then <clears throat> then he ended up asking me to sub on a couple of jobs was this why the carson show was still on no, no. Carson's show, I believe, ended in '92. I think. And when was this happening, Rowan? This is about '97, '98, just right around there. And uh, so I subbed for a couple things, and then his drummer was quitting. He didn't want to do it anymore. His, uh, Dave Mancini was his name from Rochester, and uh, so Doc had his road manager get in touch with me. And uh, said, are you available? I said, absolutely. And then that started my association with Doc for, for uh, I think, six, seven years. Was Ross Tompkins ever on that band playing piano? No. No? No. Uh -huh. I did a gig with him with a big band leader named Gary Tull at the Starlight. What's it, the star? What's the thing in the Starlight Bird? Bowl. Yeah, Starlight Bowl mm -hmm. with Gloria Loring. I did think where I met Ross one time. But no, it was Biff Hannon, Jennifer Lightham. And myself. You she, she actually has a great movie uh, uh, documentary called I Stand Corrected, which I've seen. She got me a comp to go see it this past year um, in Santa Barbara. And I'm not kidding. It's phenomenal. It's it's a real endearing story. I, I of course, was there during her transition. She had a, uh, <clears throat> she's transgender. So she was a man, John Lightham, and she became Jennifer Lightham. And I was actually there pretty much the whole time of how she you know, went from John to Jennifer. And there's actually a part in the movie that Doc's explaining when she kind of said, she kind of showed her other side that she had lived as a crossdresser for like 20 years, you know, or pretty much her whole life, actually. And uh, do you want to tell the story? No, I want to hear the story. Yeah, it's All good. right, okay. It's actually, it's a great story. I mean, she uh, she was John at the time, but it was... With the, we were at Phoenix Symphony. We, I think we had just done a rehearsal, and we decided to go out to eat. And it was Phoenix, and it was hot outside. We're sitting outside, and it was Halloween. And uh, so we're like, well, where's John? You know? <laughs> Nobody's there. Biff's here. We're all hanging out. Uh, Pinky, the, uh, the Bernadette, Hilario, the uh, road manager, Doc, myself, and some members of the symphony. So we're all eating and stuff, and nice summer night. And uh, all of a sudden, we see this attractive woman with long dark hair and black dress come up and we're like John 
And so that was her. We thought that was, and she thought, she goes, uh, I'm Natalie Wood. This is my Halloween costume. And then she comes out finally and says, actually, this is the real me. So she came out to Doc Severinsen, myself, to everybody in the band on Halloween night. Wow. Wow. With, when, and no clue. No clue. And if you watch the movie, she talks about how, how painful it was really to live with all this secrecy, you know, in the jazz community. Even though it's a very liberal community, it's also a very judgmental community. It really is. I, I think mean, it's a great story. It is. It's a great story. So eventually she ended up getting the operation and, uh, you know, we, we, I was totally supportive. I mean, I got to the point where she had to live. Doc was too, correct? Oh, Doc couldn't have been better. Mm -hmm. He, he, he told uh, Pinky, the road manager, actually told me a story that I didn't do the big bands because Ed Shaughnessy did it. I just did the symphony dates. But they were having a big band tour. John, in order, or, well, for anybody, from what I hear, um, for anybody to get a uh, uh, the surgery, you have to live pretty much as close to 24 hours a day as possible for a year and go through psychological profiles and checks. To make sure that you know, because that's a big deal. It's not something to be taken lightly. Yeah, it's obviously. not. It's not. It's not like you know having it's your wisdom teeth pulled. Right. Exactly. Nice analogy, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> wisdom teeth, really? But uh, so, <laughs> who is this guy? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know double D. <laughs> I know double D. Uh, so, I got I got pretty comfortable with it. Actually, I was like, eh, all right, you know. Cool. She started growing her hair out, and but then she started she started dressing like to symphony rehearsals and different things like that, and I started opening doors for her. I I just kind of went that way. I was like, you know what? Fine, it's fine, you know. And uh, the the funniest thing about her, she had just the worst taste in shoes. Really? Which yo know, yeah, the Mary Jane shoes, which Doc talks about in the documentary how. He always hated her shoes. He says, if you're going to at least go all this way, at least get some great-looking shoes. Because <laughs> Doc great. was always about style. Because she always had the Mary Jane shoes, and they're terrible. So, And she's not, she'll laugh if she ever hears You know, You know what's story. great about this is my wife heard the story about, about her and was so intrigued and wanted to meet her. And um, we, <laughs> we had a uh, memorial for my friend, uh, Marty Harris, a, a few, about a year, a year ago after he passed away. And um, there was another female bass player there that I won't name, but she was, you know, <laughs> let's just say she was a little, little tough. And my wife walked in and she said, "Oh, is that the, is that the bass player that used to be a man?" And I said, "No, hon, that's not, that's not her." And which is to Jennifer Lightham's credit because I thought she was quite attractive when I saw her. Oh, she's yeah, she's she's, and yeah, that that, that other bass player you said was a little mannish looking. A little mannish looking. Yeah. yeah. And I think she, I think you know, her hands were a little bigger than Je John Jennifer's. Okay, moving on. We don't need to talk about this all day. So I have an album out. <laughs> yeah, you have an album out. It's okay. I've played with orchestras before, and uh, it's always it's always a very a very unique challenge playing with orchestras. You can't you can't drive an entire string section like you can a big band or just a small group. Was that something you kind of had to adapt to when you were touring with Doc, or did you kind of find it natural? That's actually a really good question. Yes. The answer is yes. A lot of adapting. Mm -hmm. um, and there were, there's, yeah, there were just times that, uh, just the spatial relationship of everything. I mean, you've done stuff like that too, sure. where you just go, here's a downbeat, boom, and it's like, downbeat, uh, you know, it's just that, yeah. that split second of delay, and you're going, exactly. oh, this is just not comfortable. So yeah, it, it takes a little bit of a minute. Um Fortunately, he was Pops Conductor with three or four different symphonies at the time, Phoenix, Milwaukee, Minnesota, and then later on was added Colorado. We would come four times a year. So the, to so, to the each place four times a yeah. year? Oh, okay. Yeah, so I got to know everybody in the symphony. Right. They got to trust us more. Cool. You know what I mean? So mm. we built this kind of relationship where they're going to trust the rhythm section. And, of course, you know, it becomes better that way when they trust us. Yeah. Yeah, I find that weird, you know, whenever you play with, with symphonies, uh, even pops orchestras that are used to playing with guest artists and rhythm sections, it's it it's still not quite a totally natural thing. There's still a little bit, there's still a little bit of time you need with the orchestra to kind of work out the timing, how you're going to play with the conductor and everything. Right. Well, you know, for me, one of the best ones that I found was Houston. 
Yeah, I mean, we did great. Houston, right? Did Houston I did that Steve. with 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 Doc. We did a whole big band show where we had saxes, and I think we brought a lead trumpet player. But the rest of the you know the brass, the brass that were swinging, the woodwinds are great. Yeah, you know, it it really depends on the symphony, and it I think because most symphonies have to do pops concerts, and they most symphonies hate them. Is really the what's yeah, you, they, you know exactly. they, they, there's a slight attitude a lot of times where they do you know it's okay great they have it could be somebody great like a, a James Taylor it mm-hmm. could be an amazing Linda Ronstadt whatever but to them that's not why they practiced 18 hours a day on their violin sonatas and concertos yeah. and everything they wanted to play in a symphony they wanted to play Stravinsky they want to play Brahms they want to play mm-hmm. you know exactly. the greats so I can understand their attitude but also by the same token that is what pays their salary yeah that's totally that that creates the 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 revenue ability yeah yeah exactly so i think it really comes down to attitude i mean we did yeah unfortunately we did to some regional symphonies with doc where you're just going oh this is just going to be painful you know we're just the intonation's terrible the articulate it's just they're just it's a pickup orchestra that's not great how many guys would he bring on the gig with you guys well the the core was three Uh, yeah it was jennifer biff and myself. However, he had he ended up having different shows he put together, which made it fun. He had a he had these Russian musicians. We did a Russian show, and I believe I played on that show. Out of the two hour concert, I played three songs, <laughs> and that was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Less work, the better. Oh, that's right. Um, not for employment. If anybody's listening, I'm just <laughs> just letting you, letting you know that. Again, my email is oh, no, but <laughs> so. Um, we had, and then a Latin show, which is very cool, had Joe Rotundi, Carlito Soporto on bass. Nice. Um, Luis Conte, um, sometimes Richie Garcia or Machito Sanchez, and the singer from Chicago, Franklin Paz. And it was, it was really, that was really fun, you know, just hanging with all these guys. And I'm, I'm the, the kind of the jazz are playing some quasi Latin with them. And it's going, right. wow, these guys are great. <laughs> so he had a Latin show. He had a Russian show. He had an Italian show with this guy, Joseph Wolverton from New Jersey, who's not Italian, who's got, has one of the most gorgeous opera voices you've ever heard in your life. Tenor, Italian opera. And, uh, you should, you should check him out. He's an amazing. What's amazing. his name? Joseph Wolverton. Wolverton? Yeah. <clears throat> from in New Quart- Jersey. From New Jersey. So we had all these different types of shows that we do, which was a lot of fun. And then he had a big band show with this great big band singer named Lynn Roberts. And she, and sometimes, and Carmen Bradford did it. And Dennis, Ro- uh, Dennis, Dennis Rodman. Oh, Dennis sorry. Rodman, yeah. <laughs> Fresh back from North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> How's that working out? They're just, they're just a declared war in South Korea. Fantastic. Dennis's fault. Yeah, it is. Uh. Well, yeah, he's a pain in the neck. But, uh, so it was great because... We had a lot of variety in the show, and a lot of great arrangers, and just to hear the, the orchestra, you know, a, the really good orchestras, especially we did the Christmas shows, that was probably the most fun. It was incredible production, handbell choir, giant symphony chorus. Wow. I heard, I heard that you guys did a pop show one time with uh, Michael McDonald, and they did the um, Girl from Eponema. No. No? Is that, no. Is that not no. true? No. However, he did do an interview with Martini in the Morning and <laughs> sang that song. Kevin has a very famous impersonation of Michael McDonald that Dave's trying to goad him into right when now. I, it doesn't gonna, look like Kevin's going for I it. I don't know. No, no, no. Oh, man. I started touring with Steve Tyrell in 2001. <laughs> And the great legendary drummer John Guerin was in the band at the time. He, he probably never heard of him, but he was a founding member of LA Express and, and played with everyone from, from John Coltrane to, uh, I'm sorry, not John Coltrane, from Thelonious Monk all the way up through the end of his uh, career with Steve. Um, Johnny Mitchell. Johnny Mitchell, did, yes. With, with, which album did he produce? Do you remember? Um, the one with, uh, Is it t- help, well, the one with Help Me on it. With Help? Uh, it- help Me, I Think I'm Falling. In love. Lyman sings Joni Mitchell. That's the next record. I forget the name of that record, but he produced it. Not oh, only he's wow. on it, he produced it as well. Um, John passed away too early, quite tragically. And, and uh, Bill Wysaski played drums for a while, and the great um, Tom Breckline played drums for a while. Tom got busy touring with Chick Corea. We needed a drummer, and our piano player and MD, uh, Quinn Johnson, recommended Kevin for the gig. So you started playing with us in 2005. Four? Five. Five. Which, again, Five. the gig with Doc ended in May of 2005. Mm. <laughs> he 
He retired. He went into retirement. You just luck out. You just, you just luck out. It was weird. It's it was definitely weird. luck. Yeah, definitely <laughs> not hard work. No, yeah. you know, you know what though? <laughs> if you ever heard me play, <laughs> no, no, trust no, no, me. no, no, no. I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying that you know, what, you know, if it, if it wasn't one thing, it would be something else. Yeah, you know, I agree with that. Yeah. I found my career has been like that in some ways too. It's it's weird. It sometimes does because you're not looking for it because you're doing something. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Well, you, the the thing with 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 Tyrell was a fluke because I was on AOL and I saw this was back. 2005 when everybody was on AOL. You saw the Craigslist posting? <laughs> yeah. Drummer drummer needed. Tyrell went to willing, must be willing to fly on Russian Airlines. <laughs> <laughs> that was the clincher right there. That was before my time. <laughs> oh, why are we laughing? It's an inside Too joke. So many inside jokes. <laughs> I hope it's as funny to everybody else. Yeah. John Allen will all, like all three. <laughs> I hope it's as fun, fun to all three of you. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, uh, mm-hmm. What was the thing? Talking about your first gigs with Steve. Oh yeah. AOL. With no, no. AOL. Actually, I was gonna AOL, right. right. AOL, right? Um, <clears throat> exactly. <laughs> Dead air. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, then, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, no, there's this guy that I work with at, Mich- at Michelli's. He used to be a singing waiter guy, and he, like he had dial up until a year ago. And, it, and really? I was like, "Real, his name is Chris Carruthers." So I used to call him Chris Carruthers. <laughs> I'm like, dude, really? You got dial up? Oh my god, it's funny. It's so stupid. It's hilarious. It's so dumb. Oh my god. So anyway, AOL. Back to AOL. So I was chat. I was on AOL and uh, and and Quinn's Quinn's uh, instant message name popped up. His screen name popped up. And I said, "Man, instant message. Hey, Quinn, how you been? You know." And I don't think we've ever chatted in the history. He never chats. He never did did that stuff. He just happened to be online. And I had known Quinn from years before playing with some other people. I hadn't spoken or heard from him in probably seven years or something like that. And he said, oh, I'm, I'm the MD for Steve Tyrell. I said, oh, I heard of him. And oddly enough, I heard of him through through uh, Brad Chambers having the show on, what was, mm-hmm. it, was it KLAC? Yeah, KLAC yeah. 570. Fabulous <clears throat> 570. Right. Brad Martini Chambers. Right. And that was, you know, Steve would go, you know, the fabulous 570. Now that's music. That's pretty good. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> <laughs> that I'll do. Michael McDonald <laughs> is out today. I'm just saying. <laughs> But uh, Steve Tyrell was the voice of this radio station for a while. That's a pretty right. kind of what we're. That's a spot on to. Tyrell radio. It's a pretty good one. It's a pretty good one. We'll but, play it for him. See what he thinks. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. <laughs> um, and so Quinn said, "I'm MD for Steve Tyrell." I said, "Oh, I've heard of him. Great, very cool." I said, "Well, as you do when you're always out of a gig, if you hear of anything, blah blah blah." So a month later, I get a message on my cell phone from Quinn. Saying, hey, uh, our drummer, you know, Tom Brackline, he's going to be going out with Chick Corea. I'm like, oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> he's uh, doing the Touchstone. Was it Touchstone? Is that what it, the name uh, of the band? Maybe. maybe. With the flamenco and the yeah, whole thing? Exactly yeah, exactly that one. Yeah, yeah Tom's insane. Oh, just unbelievable. And so I did a rehearsal at uh, SIR, right? Yeah, yeah. In Hollywood. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> First time I meet Lyman and Steve Cotter and. First time I had seen Quinn in umpteen years. And I think it was just us. It was just a quartet, right? For the rehearsal? Yeah, I think John might have been there. Well, yeah, John was there, but I didn't yeah, but I didn't know John at all. I think we talked on the phone or something. Mm -hmm. But I remember um, you know, they they were already so tight. And I'll never forget this this big, you know, burly bass player. I like to call him Big Bear. But (laughs) (laughs) but you know he's talking about me. Oh, Wow. Ouch. That hurts from over here. Um, oh, man. She's not listening. I don't even know who that is. But it sounds funny. Um, <laughs> just comedy. If you're, if you're a detective, you might have just got a clue. <laughs> right, go okay. So so Lyman had a real positive attitude when I first met him. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I'm Kevin. When are you? He's like, yeah, how are you doing? And I'm going, great. Oh, this is going to be a lot of fun. But he played, you know, he played adequately. And um, <laughs> no, he played great. And, but it was just funny because he and Steve Cotter, it, could just, it was just, they were just, you know, they'd done the show. They don't want to rehearse every tune that they play every night. You know? Exactly. And I, that's and I, could, what it was. And I know, I know. But, it, you know, I was a little nervous, you know, trying to, you know, and I listened to all the records with John Guerin on it and all that. And, did you and, get, the, did you got the Lyman vibe? 
That we, oh yeah. That we've all, <laughs> oh, yeah, we've all heard like, about it. We all oh, heard yeah. about it. Oh, yeah. just like yeah. How you doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But then I think we did two days of rehearsals. Possibly, I don't. Yeah, remember. for some reason I remember this, and then we did the. Is it? What was it? The piano player thing. We did the thing at UCLA. That was my first gig. Oh yeah. Diana yeah. Krall was the main act. Exactly. What was his name? Famous piano a- Abel? salesman. Abel? No, Abel. piano maker or maker? No, I think he just sold. I don't think he pianos. sold pianos. I think he. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Tuner? Uh, no. We're, tuner. we're such idiots. We're yeah, dolts. we are. We're really yeah, this dolts. Is, <laughs> this is great radio. This is fascinating <laughs> podcasting. Right wow. Uh, Abel, David Abel. David right, Abel. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we did an, an event for him with Diana Krall and Kenny Burrell and. Sherman Ferguson. Mm-hmm. I think that was one of his last gigs. I oh, love wow. Sherman Ferguson. Yeah. yeah it was a great bill. Yeah, it was really cool. So I did, I think we did a couple of tunes. And then our first gig was actually up in Carmel, which is where we just played we this, this past weekend, weekend with Diane Schur and Steve. Then we went to Japan, and it was uh, it was a, a lot great of fun trip. there. Too much fun? Great trip. It's way too much fun. We'll have to tell you about No it. trouble? We'll tell you. Nah, no, actually no trouble. <laughs> no we'll trouble? There, there was a funny Lou Soloff story, though. Um, the High Holiday. I don't remember this one. He couldn't play, remember? Oh, he had yeah. to go to Shul. He had to go yeah. to Temple. Yeah, Lou Soloff, our fantastic Is he the, is he the Sandy Who? Koufax of jazz? <laughs> yes, actually. He yes, is the Sandy he, Koufax he pulled of jazz. A, he pulled a Koufax. Really? He absolutely pulled a Koufax. <laughs> I get that line from, from Larry David, by the way. <laughs> the episode of the Palestinian chicken. Exactly. He, he pulled a Koufax. By, by the way, that's maybe the funniest episode of television Ever. Ever. ever that one right there with the Palestinian, Palestinian chicken, chicken thing with the with the deli across the street Kirby enthusiast that's right a, that that's that particular episode is my and, and and my my particular hero Larry Miller happens to be in that episode. I love Larry Miller yeah He's the best yeah so Lou Soloff is a, one of the greatest trumpet players in the world and tours with us quite often and but I think we'll get we'll have him on the podcast sometime I'm sure oh that would be great and uh yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a Jewish high holiday, and, and, and but game. also we were playing in Yokohama at Motion Blue, mm-hmm. and Great he was club. He was billed though. That yeah, was the thing. Was that, that was Steve was not really that well known in in Japan, and mm-hmm. Lou, of course, was with the Manhattan Jazz Project and so mm-hmm. many other. He's been to Japan a million times, mm-hmm. and he said, "I can't play. It's a high holiday." So it was a little awkward there for a minute. So the sax player Lawrence Lawrence uh, Feldman Feldman. And the whole band, and this is my first, second, second real gig with them. And Lou's, he's like, I can't work. I can't, you know, it's a high holiday. I have to observe, observe you know. And I have to go to shul. I have to go to temple. Of course, he took a train to get to the temple. <laughs> so that kind of defeats the whole purpose. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of half Jewish, so I don't really know how it all works. But it's not like he was rolling up in the buggy. No, and but then, then he brought, he brought the rabbi. To the gig in Tokyo, That's I remember true. that. Yeah. I remember that too. But he did. Rabbi pull had a very pretty girlfriend too. Yeah, I Wait, maybe when we become full <laughs> Jewish. But, <laughs> but that would take some work. I remember. Where did we go to after Tokyo? Was it uh, Osaka? Yes, it we was went the, to Osaka. It was because we did the Cartier thing. Yes, exactly. And we um, bars in in Japan are are kind of like bars in England where you have to be like a member there. It's, it's not a lot of them, not all of them, but the way a lot of them work is you kind of have to be a member or pay a membership due to, to come in the bar, know somebody, something like that. So we found this bar and we just wanted to go in and get a drink. And they, it was, you know, obvious that we were just, you know, <laughs> it's obvious that we're from out of town and we go in and we meet this really nice Japanese businessman who buys us this, this Japanese whiskey and was very proud of the fact that he worked for the number two hemorrhoid company in all of Japan. Remember this guy? I, th- I didn't know that's yeah. what he did. Really? My company, number two hemorrhoid company, all of Japan. <laughs> that's very good. He sent out that uh, Miyagi. <laughs> Even if win, Wash you lose. all car. <laughs> Sand the floor. <laughs> and you've been working with us with Steve Tyrell ever since? Yes, I have. Thankfully. Mm-hmm. Thankfully. Didn't you work with a couple other Sergio Mendez? Or something? I worked with yeah. I worked with Sergio Mendez subbing for the great, awesome, amazing Michael Shapiro, and who's one of my favorite drummers of all all time. Um, yeah, he he called me. I started doing Brazilian work, uh, playing Brazilian music back in the early '90s, and through my association of a bass player from Santa Barbara named Randy Tico, who was in a band called Matrix, a very cool fusion band. In the seventies, you might want to check them out. There, like, yeah, it was. They were actually they did quite well in the seventies. Um, 
but Randy had toured with Flora and Ayerto, Flora Parim and Ayerto, and uh, and met Mike through that because Mike was doing that. And then Mike and Randy were working with Clever George, who's a composer and singer, uh, songwriter, Brazilian music, and he tours with Sergio Mendes, and I'd started working with Clever. So then I, through Clever, I was meeting, I met Hussein, I met Bill Brindle, I met a lot, I met Rob Kyle, sax player, then mm-hmm. subsequently met Quinn. Rob was, Kyle? Yeah. yeah, you know Rob? I do know yeah. Great sax player. I used to do a ton of gigs with him and Steve Weingart and There's a good uh, scene Hussein. up there in Santa Barbara, huh? Good, a lot of players up there in Santa Barbara. Yeah, it's definitely died down, though. It's not like it used to be. The mid-90s, early 90s, mid-90s were killing. And a lot of players were coming up from L.A., a lot of great musicians. It's mm. just the whole vibe's changed. There's not a lot of places to play either up there anymore, are there? Not like there used to be, no. Right. It's mm-hmm. kind of sad. I, I really do miss that because it had a huge sense of community, and now it doesn't. It just bad. Yeah, it's a drag. It's a bit of a drag. But through that, I ended up surge, I, I, excuse me, I ended up subbing for Mike and playing with Sergio. And That's great. Yeah, did we went to Japan a couple. That was my first few times in Japan with Sergio. And mm-hmm. Philippines and Europe, did North Sea, did Cory yeah. Festival. Yeah, a lot of stuff with Sergio. And that was <laughs> really great players. It was a lot of fun. You also work as a producer. Why don't you talk about a, a couple of the artists you've produced? Oh, thank you. I produced a singer named Melanie Irvine. And she lives in Solvang, actually. It's all, all the people that I worked with are obviously in my area. And... Uh, she asked me to produce her, and uh, she actually got a lot of the players. And I heard about this record. It sounds great, right? Kevin Axe is on it. Is Kevin Axe and Christian Jacob yeah, wow. from Tierney Sutton's band. And uh, Red Holloway. It was a oh, nice. Passed away. <clears throat> right. He was living up in Cambria, and she got his phone number and called him up and asked what he would want to play. And he goes, sure. So I got, you know, there's Red Holloway in the studio, and I'm kind of producing this Great. one solo for him. I'm wow. like, wow, you know. And I brought Matt Kattengub in to, to play sax on it, a couple things. Um, I kind of worked with this local piano player in Santa Barbara on the arrangements. I would kind of come up with some ideas, some rhythmic figures, some you know concepts, a, a bass line, sing him something, he would do the harmonies. And... Uh, it, I'm pr- pretty proud of it. It turned out nice. And she was nice enough to ask me to sing a couple duets with her on that. Oh, wow. So I sang a couple duets with her on that. And then through Facebook, Margie Nelson mm-hmm. um, messaged me. And she she actually just moved to Florida, she and her husband Lars. But they still have a place up in, up in the hills of Santa Barbara. And she said uh, she heard Melody's CD. She loved it. And she, would I be interested in producing? I said, of course. So I produced that. And uh, that turned out really nice. I had Quinn on that and Kevin Axed. Again, Matt did some arrangements. I did some arrangements. Christian again. And, um, yeah, it's, it, cool. I, I really like it. I mean, you just you know, you know just produced uh, Dave's CD, I right? Produced, yes. And you did a phenomenal job. Oh, I thank you. No, you really did. Everywhere. Thank you very much. And I, you should be very proud of that because the you. album sounds great. And, Dave, you sing great. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thanks, Kevin. And... And as somebody that's losing my voice doing this podcast right now, <laughs> I want to compliment you publicly on how well you sounded today in rehearsal. Thank you very much. Your, you your voice, your tone is beautiful. I really appreciate it, Kevin. Once again, Kevin's going to be performing with us at Catalina Bar and Grill this Wednesday, April 3rd, for the Dave Damiani and No Vacancy Orchestra CD release party. 8 o'clock, Catalina Bar and Grill. Should be fun. Still it's going to be great. It'll be great night of music. Kevin, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. Bro. Oh, man, this is such so where can people Where can people find you on the interwebs? On the interwebs. Again, well, my website is kevinwinard.com, W-I-N-A-R-D. Emails kwinard, K-W-I-N-A-R-D, at me. Is that available on you? If I, if I went to kevinwinard.com, M- could I hit contact? M-E.com. <laughs> What? <laughs> if I went to if I went to kevinwinard.com, could I find contact info on there? Yeah, actually cool. I have an older email on there, but yeah, that's fine. But yeah. kevinwinard at me.com too. I'm no, sorry. it's kwinard. Kwinard. Sorry. Yeah. Uh kwinard at me.com. And uh also probably the best way is if you're on Facebook, just do the search for Kevin Winard, K E V I N W I N A R D. 
I'm the only Kevin Lennard on Facebook. So or you if you're if you're on Craigslist, like <laughs> casual encounters, you'll you'll find a lot of postings. <laughs> I I literally will do anything to hawk this CD. I, there's there's there are no limits, and I'm expecting pictures. Nice, really. nice. You can find out what me and Dave are up to on HardKnoxRecords.com. HardKnoxRecords.com or NoVacancyEntertainment.com. Please, or, please tweet at me at Big Funky on Twitter. Uh, yeah, and hit me up and let you know, uh, let me know what you think of the podcast. Kevin, take us out with one of your songs. What do you want to play for us? Let's, Wait, let's, let me do a quick plug because oh, sure. I'm, I'm on sure. tw- Twitter as well. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can have three followers now. Uh, it's at Kev Win, K E V W I N. Um, I do, I do want to say one thing. I want to thank for this whole CD this gentleman by the name of Peter Clark in in Santa Barbara who I do a lot of recordings for he's the one that put this whole thing together for me and and it was basically a gift so I wanted to give him you know sure acknowledgement and great he did the arrangements he played all the keyboards on it and uh, I played some drums and percussion and Craig Thatcher and another other drummer played so it was a mix but what's I I you know what in in honor of Tony Tennille I think we should do Never Let Me Go Never Let Me Go Hey, Kevin, another thing, too. I'm interested in, in finding out and hearing some of these CDs you produced. I'll also, can we also get that through your website or can we contact you? You can contact, yes. I have samples of this, my CD. I have samples of Margie's CD. I have samples of Melanie's CD and a CD of a singer that I produced back in 1997 named Camilla and then a more of a drum percussion CD that I co-produced with two other players. That all samples, all of that's on my website on kevinlenard.com. And uh, Margie Nelson, I think it's Margie Nelson Jazz.com or Hungry Girl CD.com for Margie CD and Melanie Irvine.com. And it's, if I have the name wrong enough, I apologize, but it's M E L L O N I E, Melanie Irvine. All right. Well, we're going to take it out with Never Let Me Go. And uh, hopefully, we'll see you guys on Wednesday night. Thanks again, Kevin. Thank you, guys. It was really a blast. Cool.
because of one caress, my world was overturned at the very start. All my bridges burned by my flaming heart. You'd never leave me, would you? You couldn't hurt me, could you? 